So, the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. Here we are, episode 100, right? Our centennial episode, $50 word out of a $5 mouth, not episode, centennial. Anyway, uh, uh, I realized when I signed in today, um, tonight, uh, a lot of my a lot of my assets are missing. Anyway, um, like my countdown timer and stuff like that. So I don't know if the system uh, updated, did some weird things or whatever, but uh, I'm uh, I'm missing some uh, some clips. So uh, that's why uh, for those of you who've been following along for a while, you didn't see it like fade that screen fade out the the, the title slide, and then um, you know it move into that uh, countdown uh, thing. So. For next week, we'll have to um, uh, up, update that or, or, I don't know, make something happen. Anyway, so um, uh, here we are. Like I said, episode 100. Uh, I don't have fanfare. I don't have fireworks to go off. I don't have any of that stuff. Ooh, stuff's popping up on the screen. James must be in the background doing his ninja stealthy thing. Anyway, so um, anyway, um, episode 100. Thanks to everybody who's helped uh, move this along and, and uh, made it, uh, you know, what it is. Uh, I appreciate my regulars, whether you're local or you're long distance or whatever. And, uh, yeah, so uh, for those of you who are on uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or, God, I, James, I don't know. You told me at some point how many freaking podcast directories we're on, but uh, I lost count. So I'm just going to say a lot, right? Anyway, so uh, doing well, moving forward. Uh, we've got our regulars every week, and we've got, uh, you know, new folks joining us all the time, which is really, really cool. Um, I considered, like, signing on, like, uh, I don't know, some people doing things, right? Like, hey, mother truckers, what's that? Whatever, right? But uh, it, that's not me. So anyway, see, it even looked weird when I did it, right? I'm sure some of you looked at the screen and said, don't ever do that again. <laughs> don't worry, I won't. Unless I'm, I don't know, having fun. Um, anyway, so uh, what I thought I would do. Hey, James, your camera is now working. Awesome. <laughs> James in the background. He's had little glitches and stuff. So he's updated his tech on, on that side. And uh, so I'm like, like I'm, I'm jazzed. And I'm stoked because not only is this episode 100, but uh, we've got a lot of you guys know that we have these really big, I've been using the word bodacious, right, um, uh, to move us along. And for some folks, they told me that that, that for them always had like a negative connotation. I don't care, right? I mean like big, bold, like over the top kind of things. Like my brain, part of my brain, well, I don't think it's doing that anymore, right? It's just kind of accepted that that's what we're doing. But when I originally set these goals at the new year, <laughs> part of my brain was like, I don't know how that's going to happen. Okay. Um, I, don't know, I just, I'm very, very confident in my ability to make things happen. And, um, I never see failure. Failure to me is like, you just quit and give up. Right. Um, I, I'll figure it out. Right. And, um, well, we'll call it what most people call failing. Right. If I fall short, that's exactly what it's going to be. Right. 
I'm going to be way, way farther ahead than, uh, than anything else. But anyway, so, um, a big thanks. I mean, during this episode, I want to make sure I, I thank a bunch of people. Uh, James Alexander, who's always like in the background helping out with things. Uh, a lot of you guys who've been, um, who have enrolled or registered over the years, uh, in the, uh, online training programs or actually bought like a, a whether it was an ebook or some kind of program or even uh, signed up for something free, like a webinar or something that we were doing, right? If there was a glitch in the system, um, James was the guy that was helping to sort it out, helping you get what you needed. Uh, anything from like fixing tech problems to, uh, you know, just making sure that you got the download and you were able to, to operate things and, and all that. So, um, moving forward, uh, here very, very shortly, we're going to make it official. Uh, James is actually going to move into a, uh, a, a senior VP, um, uh, position running the online training stuff. That doesn't mean that he's, he's going to be like, you know, he's replacing me or anything like that. Right. But I'm going to focus on what I need to be focusing on, which is, um, program development and, and teaching and, uh, and making sure that things are what they're supposed to be. So quality control, all that kind of stuff, right? So you're still going to see me doing Whiteboard Wednesdays. You're still going to see me doing Kuden. You're still going to see me teaching the programs and all that. Um, he will be doing uh, some coaching and whatnot to help folks that are in programs and moving forward. But uh, I'm I'm going to turn the administrative and and the the steering kind of stuff over to him to make sure the day to day stuff is is doing what it's supposed to be doing so everybody has access and, and stuff. And, and truth be told, he's been doing a lot of that stuff. Anyway, we're just going to formalize this. So uh, so he's moving into that role. Uh, my guy, Drew Yerger, who's uh, an in-house student at the dojo, has been working his fantail off. I don't know that he has a fantail. Anyway, so he's been working his butt cheeks off. I know he has those because I kick him on a regular basis. Anyway, so uh, if you see a bunch of like warrior concepts, uh, social media posts and all that kind of stuff, uh, Drew's behind a whole bunch of that stuff, right? We just got through vetting a, a series of services to help us automate a lot of that stuff. So uh, our, our our busy life doesn't get in the way of making sure that you guys have like, you know, daily insights or that you know what's going on and all that, right? So uh, we, we just so, uh, settled on a, a new company helping us out, uh, a company called Social Bee that uh, just has a butt ton of, of uh abilities and stuff for us to help with that. So again, for all of you guys looking forward to getting all this free stuff, uh, I am now paying for another service so that you can have free stuff, right? So you're welcome very much. Anyway, so uh, uh, who else? Uh, oh, I, 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 I've got what? Uh, 10 people going through an instructor training program, uh, our AITP or advanced instructor training program uh, at the academy. Uh, to help explode things, uh, in addition to James, who's also helping with that because he's got no other, you know, n n nothing else going on in his life, right? Except, uh, all this extra stuff, right? <laughs> uh, and Drew, Drew's going through the instructor training program as well. Uh, Stan and Aaron and, oh my God, don't let me miss anybody, right? So those two, Stan and Aaron and Joe Farrell and Arissa Keen and, oh shit, don't let me miss anybody. Um, if I go around the table mentally, right? Uh, uh, Phil DeSmet and, uh, Michelle Murphy, Rob Murphy, uh, 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 who did I miss, James? Come on, you can unmute yourself. I'll unmute it. Who did I miss? Who did I miss? <laughs> did I miss anybody? Shit. Chris McLaurin. 
Chris McLaughlin. How can I forget Chris? He teaches the TOTS classes and um, helps all that kind of stuff too. So yeah, Chris. Uh, is that it? Did I, did I hit all 10? Yes, that should be everybody. They'll let me know or they'll feel <laughs> bad next uh, Wednesday night when we do another training, right? Uh, and then I'll do like an addendum like newspapers should, right? I apologize for not having a written <laughs> list and reading off things, right? Uh, God, who else has been helping? Aaron's been helping um, uh, Drew with a tech upgrade at the academy. So uh, we just uh, put some tech in place uh, to help with attendance and all that. Yes, I do track attendance. I'm running a professional school, albeit a martial arts academy. So I want to make sure that people are, are uh, attending class on a regular basis so they can see the things that they need to see so they can uh, test and see regular ongoing progress, right? It's my, it's, I, that's part of my job as an instructor is to make sure that um, you know, we're, we're nurturing people through. Um, ultimately, it's not my job to, like, motivate a student, but it is my job to help students develop the right habits. And one of the first habits we, we instill in students is, what is that, James? Attend class an average of twice a week. Twice so a week. it becomes a habit, right? So um, that way you can see regular ongoing progress, right? Um, because what we find, and the same thing happened with me going through and um, – Everybody, right? Um, I know a lot of us like to believe that we were like the prodigal son, but uh, what we had to do was, one, commit to the process, and two, make sure that we were scheduling the time, right? Um, we want to see regular ongoing progress, so we need to make sure that that happens, right? I'll make sure this is held up again because, uh, you know, <laughs> we need to live the life, live the dream, right? <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. At least that's what my kid says. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm awfully busy and tired for being anybody's legend. Um, I just pointed that out. Where was I? I was at a, oh, at that, uh, that private school that I did that presentation for um, last week. I was a kid wearing a shirt that said, the legend. And I looked at him and said, you do know that most legends are dead, right? <laughs> he just like stopped. Because people put all kinds of crap on on shirts and stuff, right? Um, it's like the word awesome, right? You know, awesome, awesome, right? Fear-inducing, right? <laughs> so I, I know that they update dictionaries, but um, everybody does know, you know, when you're going to the dictionary to validate things, don't forget, and this is out of the words, or out of the mouths of these people who write dictionaries, right, or update them and all that, that dictionaries are, are modified on a regular basis, based on the lowest common denominator as far as communicators in the world, which is why like substandard negatives are in there, like ain't and, and stuff like that, right? So, you know, it's in the dictionary. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of things in a dictionary too. But um, anyway, so, uh, you know, like happy and gay used to mean something completely different than they mean today, right? So, and you're not even allowed to mention things like that because you might be insensitive or whatever, right? And so, you know, I get it. Everybody has their own agenda, right? But um, anyway, all right. So who else do we have helping? Aaron's helping. Drew. Oh, Drew's wiring the dojo uh, uh, for our um, our cyber classes, right? So instead of me using my updated or not laptop uh, through Zoom classes and all that, uh, that's all getting an overhaul. So we're going to have cameras from different angles and a, and a dedicated uh, computer system. 
uh, to run all that stuff, and that's going to be sooner than later. So that's that's right around the corner. So uh, I'm actually upgrading all the internet stuff and everything uh, so that those things uh, can be more professional. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to do any kind of studio for this kind of thing. I kind of like the laid back, like we're chatting over something. Uh, um, would be. I, I just had this flashed image, James, um, that uh, we do something like um, uh, we used to do in Somaya Sensei's Dojo in Japan, where after class was over, a, a small table was brought out and we'd all sit on the mat mm-hmm. and then hot water and uh, tea. Right. We'd sit around and have tea and like some small crackers or whatever while we were chatting with sensei. And that was the kuden kind of thing. Right. And we did that at the dojo for a little while. Um, but uh, classes kind of like overran everything. So uh, but uh, that was just a cool thing where black belts are seniors or the, or the Shobi Kai. Now we've got a Shobi Kai. Uh, uh, the inner circle is like. <laughs> Freaking ginormous, right? We need, we need like two picnic tables lined up for everybody that shows up for class now, right? So, um, but anyway, all that kind of stuff is being wired. So this doesn't just mark a hundredth episode of Kuden. Uh, we'd probably be way farther ahead, right? I mean, um, uh, if I wouldn't have taken that year and a half off, you know, me the slacker, <laughs> right? Trying to figure out how I was going to re-engineer things or redesign things because Kuden was originally me and a co-host, um, who was a radio guy. And uh, now I got you. No, <laughs> we're not really doing the same kind of format. Um, and let's see what else. Um, uh, shit, there's other stuff. Got, how much other stuff is going? Oh, you and I just had a meeting on Saturday morning, right? And we were talking about uh, having to get all this other stuff like repurposed because my platinum inner circle. Uh, distance training program has been going on since what, uh, 2008, give or take, something like that, right? And right. between uh, free webinars that I did and, and all these other programs, Ninja Hachimon program, Ninja Mind, and these twice weekly uh, coaching calls with students, right? How many assets do I have just on that service, just the audio stuff? Did you say it was mm-hmm. around 1,400? Yeah, it's, it's getting close to 1400. Getting close to 14, just with that, right? So we're not counting whiteboard Wednesdays. We're not talking about Kuden episodes. We're not talking about, uh, YouTube videos. We're not talking mm-hmm. about the 512 articles that I have syndicated around the internet, something like that. None, none of that stuff, right? So, you know, for a lot of people, like, uh, I had somebody not, not too long ago. Um, I don't know, a bunch of episodes back. He goes, Oh, wow. I didn't even know you had a, like a podcast. And I get it. I mean, you know, everybody's looking for stuff, but, um, and that's on me. That's on us, right? Because there was a period there where, um, the, the promotional stuff kind of fell short, right? Um, and all that's going to freaking ramp up here really, really soon. So, um, right. you know, it is what it is, right? So, um, I, the, what I was doing was producing the, the Kuden and uh, all these other things, they were either lessons for, for students, whether they were in-house or the, uh, the long distance guys, uh, or I was writing articles and all that and just kind of tossing these things out there and, you know, people could find them and end up going to the website, checking things out or whatever. But what I wasn't doing was promoting the fact that I just wrote a new article or I just put up a new video or, you know, for people who missed the first round of, 
of notifications to let them know that the that the uh, uh, you know like like tonight, right? I mean, people on on the um, on the uh, the list, the the subscriber list and stuff that we have, right? They get a notification a couple of times on the day that these things are going out. Um, but after that, we don't do anything to let people know. Well, I guess Drew is now. Drew's been posting a couple of things in the week after a Kudan episode to remind people if they missed it, you know, go back and check it out. But there's a whole bunch of other things, a whole bunch of strategies that I'm going to be using um, other than uh, we just did a podcast, go check it out kind of thing, you know, um, to really highlight some of the things that, uh, that were discussed or uh, topics or whatever, right? Uh, and so still lots of, lots and lots of things to do, but it's going to require staff. Hence having 10 people go through an instructor training program right now, uh, to help with day to day things at Dojo, right? Oh, and that's the other, uh, Joe Farrell. I just had a meeting with him today. He's one of the guys going through my instructor training program. Uh, he's a vet, former, um, army guy and, uh, did recruiting and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and he's got, he's got some time, right? Uh, it, it, you know, disabled vet kind of thing, right? But it's real jazzed about martial arts stuff. So uh, he and I are going to be fast-tracking some things uh, so that he can help me out with uh, enrollments and stuff like that at the academy. So, yeah, awesome. I've got a bunch of people jumping through hoops and loops to help. Uh, Arissa has been, you know, super helpful with uh, with just whatever needs to be done. I mean, we get a lot of people that – which speaks heavily of, of our people, right, that, that they just – they want to just jump in and help out. So that's a cool thing. So anyway, yeah, it's all good. Um, did I forget anything? <laughs> I mean, you're not only going to run the online academy stuff, but you're also my admin assistant. So what I forget? <laughs> we don't have an agenda for these things. I just jump on and, and start chatting about whatever the topic is. Anyway, so it's all good, right? I mean, we, we've got a couple of couple of informational things for people to help them out, right? I mean, okay. <laughs> 512 different articles on everything from uh, Nijitsu in general to uh, general self-defense, women's self-defense, child safety, workplace violence, uh, personal development, uh, Mikyo, meditation, mindset, all kinds of stuff, right? That's just on that side. There's 60 some videos and I've been remiss in making videos for, um, YouTube. I mean, we have more now because we've been running Kuden through that as well. So that ends up being over there. But, uh, I, I mean, independent little video clips and all that. I, there was only like 60. So I'm a slacker on that side. Um, but we, what we calculate? Um, those 1400, almost 1400, uh, teleseminars and webinars and things like that over on, uh, on the Ziosoft or the instant teleseminar service, um, my classes tend to average at about an hour and a half each, right? We've got some that go way over and some that are, that are right about the hour mark. But so we're looking at well over, uh, 2,000, 2,500 hours of training Easy. just in that one area easily. Yeah. So cool stuff, right? Um, you know what that means? It just fucking means I talk a lot. <laughs> Go home at the end of a day after teaching and stuff, and my wife goes, "Are you okay?" Yeah, I'm good. Why? Well, you're not talking. 
baby, I love you, but I've been listening to the sound of my freaking <laughs> voice all day long, right? I, I need a break from me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love this stuff and I'm passionate about this stuff, but at the same time, um, I, the break sometimes and then so we just have this arrangement where she gives me like i don't know 30 minutes or so to kind of sit in silence you know decompress and all that and then then we can chat and then she tells me crazy stories about i don't know the dog or whatever her day was like or whatever so you know then she entertains me so it's all good all right so uh anything anything else i forgot I mean, we're about we're about to relaunch a whole bunch of our programs now that Online Ninja Academy is fully up and, and ready. So if you haven't checked that out, go to onlineninjaacademy.com. Um, just in case you don't know what that uh, what I just said because I speak too fast or spelling is a problem or whatever, if you look at the lower right hand uh, portion of your screen, uh, if you're on the on the live thing now or you're watching the video, it's right there, uh, onlineninjaacademy.com. Um, it is we instead of instead of doing what every other freaking martial artist is doing and just throwing a whole bunch of stuff around and what they think is cool, um, what I decided to do was model success, right? So the new site is designed based on the same framework as a lot of these online universities, right? I actually just borrowed the framework from Coursera.com, which is uber successful, but they're on the like uh, business business education, um, when I say corporate training or whatever, I'm talking about people that are trying to get some education or training in certain specific areas so they can get advancement at work and, and those kind of things, right? Um, why reinvent the wheel, right? So uh, so it's laid out very much like that um, in, in different ways. And then, uh, I mean, all if I'm tell me if I'm wrong, James, everything that's listed on the site right now on the main page is accessible, right? I mean, if they click on something, yes. it's either going to go to directly to that program or ebook or whatever, or it's going to go to, uh, like if they click on a category, uh, picture or link or something, right? It's going to go to a page that has the programs and, and whatnot that we have available. Um, that's, that's surrounding that or that's, that's part of that, that thing, right? So if they click on personal right. development, they click on whatever, right? Um, uh, and everything's not listed yet, right? I mean, we're, we wanted to get a whole bunch of things available, but we're going to be relaunching a bunch of these things because we want to, we want to dress up some graphics and, and make things more pretty for those people who need pretty and not just the education, right? So, uh, you know, I got a, I had a teacher one time that, that reminded me that, um, especially as ninja, we need to give people what they want. So they stick around long enough to get what they actually need, right? Mm. And people very often, I did a long time ago as well, um, confuse wants and needs, right? You know, I really need that. Now, see, that doesn't require, or that's not in, that's, that's not a part of the breathing and needing oxygen, eating and needing to not starve to death, drinking and not dehydrate yourself to, you know, the point where your organs shut down, uh, sleep so that you don't end up freaking mentally you know, just off, whatever, right? So, um, but people often do the whole need things. Or, you know, they've fantasized on movies or they've watched YouTube, like MMA fights, and they, you know, so they're having this thing, right? So often we have to present them or, or, or give them enough of what they want so that, um, 
you know, they will stick around long enough to get what they actually need. Um, but there are lines I will not cross, right? So uh, I'm not going to be a dancing clown for anybody. I'm not going to be your best bud, uh, those kind of things, right? I mean, we can be friendly and we can do those kind of things, but there is a teacher-student relationship uh, that needs to be maintained. And that doesn't mean that I'm standing on a pedestal or anything like that, but, um, you know, my, my teacher, can you imagine, uh, and I, I know I've mentioned this before, but can, for all these people that want to be best buds with the teacher, can you imagine going to Japan and going, Hey, Masaki, what's up, dude? Uh, like, how, how about let me slide on this testing requirement? Or do I really need to wear like a black t-shirt to class? How about this like pink tie-dye kind of thing? I, I really like that. That's what I'm feeling, you know? Um, but nobody would do that, right? You know? Um, it's always been Hatsumi Sensei or Sensei or Trey Sensei or Nagato Sensei or whatever, right? Um, and a long time ago, and this is one of those things that really throw people off in the Bujinkan, um, a long time ago, I ran into the friend problem, right? Where I tried to do the friend training group kind of thing, and that's exactly what happened. People started using that as the, I don't like doing that thing that you have on the curriculum for, for testing and advancement. Can you let me slide on that, right? So at a certain point, we just decided we were going to go with surnames and, and the sensei thing and all that. And, um, you know, uh, so Mr. Miller or Mr. Paul or Mr. Whistler or whatever, or sensei or Shidoshi or whatever. And um, we kicked in the whole sir and ma'am kind of thing. One, because I think it's professional etiquette. And etiquette's freaking fallen by the wayside. Um, quick side story. Um, I know what things are like in the area where we live because James doesn't live that. I mean, he lives far away from the dojo, considering where how far away most students live. But it's the same kind of mindset area kind of thing, right? And so um, I still, I mean, I, I was you know raised in a certain in a certain era and whatnot. And um, when I was when I was born and for the first part growing up, guys still wore hats and. You know, you wore suits to church and, you know, that kind of thing, right? And then I went in the military and you had the same kind of etiquette where um, hats came off when you walked in the door. Hats went on when you walked out the door, that kind of thing, right? Um, eh, that's not the, typically the way things are in our area, right? So the number of looks that I got carrying my, I got this black ball cap that has the, the U.S. flag on it and that kind of stuff. And, uh, I've been wearing it more. Uh, lately, and uh, it's not to protect anything or whatever. It's just, you know, just felt, I don't know, felt like doing it. Kind of, kind of like, um, you know, I, I, I dress business attire a lot, right? And, uh, a student that, um, I don't know, whenever he's come to class, he's seen me in, in martial arts uniform. Um, but he came to class one day last week and he's, whoa, I, you know, sees me in a blazer and uh, polo and slacks and whatnot. And he, he says, uh, uh, I'm going to assume that you have a meeting. And I said, you're assuming incorrectly. Just you know, dressing this way because there's a certain mentality that goes with that, right? So, um, but anyway, I'm wearing this cap, right? And... I'm walking around. I've got my got my phone case right here, my phone or whatever, and then I'm holding the bill of the hat uh, in my hand as I'm walking to the table or walking back out to the door or whatever. These people are looking at me like, 
something wrong with the hat? Is that you know what? No, it's it's called bringing back professional etiquette. Is what it's called, right? Um, I've always seen warriors um, as I mean they they were they came from families of high class uh, status. Do you know what I mean? Um, and but what I never understood was people fantasizing about or imagining themselves being warriors, but they carry themselves like they just crawled out of a damn gutter, right? Or somewhere in between, right? Um, they want to do the laid back thing or whatever. But think about the warrior class in Japan. There was a certain mindset. There was a certain uh, expected level of decorum and etiquette and, and professionalism and, and those kind of things, right? Were there exceptions? Like Masashi, man. It was like the... The, the, the most famous swordsman. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you walk around, you make a friggin' name for yourself, and you don't get killed in the process, then, okay, you know, whatever. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't a slovenly, unkempt person, right? I mean, you know, the fact that he just killed everybody that was bothered by that and challenged him, it doesn't make his, it doesn't make what he did or the way he carried himself right, Right, I mean, a lot of people carry themselves around like because I won the fight, um, that makes me right. No, you're, you can still be an asshole, but you won the fight. So, you know, it, it is what it is, right? So, um, I try to live to that mindset as much as possible, and I hopefully, uh, you know, as an instructor or as a teacher, um, you know, students look to me to be a role model for you know how to warriors carry themselves. Right. I mean, if they're just coming to me to learn some moves, shit, they can go pay for a couple of classes, at the YMCA or buy some videos or whatever. Right. But people that want to have that teacher student connection, there's something much deeper than just, you know, can you show me some moves? I can show you some moves. How about here's how to walk in a way that looks dignified and looks like you have control of yourself. Right. Or right. here's how to uh, carry yourself or influence the perceptions of others. Um, in a way that actually helps you produce results and not makes the kind of people you want to hang out with avoid you like the plague, right? That kind of stuff. So anyway, all right. So, um, well, we just talked about more than just what I had on the, <laughs> on the thing. Is it connected? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, I, I think it is. It, it was unattended, but this stuff's all connected anyway. So, um, Anything else admin-wise that we're doing other than, like, camp coming up? It's a pretty good time to, like, throw in, a, throw in a shameless plug for spring camp. What do you think? Spring camp, right? Uh, <laughs> May 13th, 14th, and 15th at the Homebrew. We're going to be doing a, uh, uh, a virtual version as well uh, for those people who want to get in on it. Um, the theme for this year is getting your head on straight, right? And uh, we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of – uh, psychological aspects, right? Everything from uh, taking a look at the three primary types of meditative practice, looking at how meditation, right? Because uh, meditation is one of those really misunderstood things, right? Um, most most people have like a thing that they think about with meditation, right? Meditation is both a thing to do and it's also a mindset, right? Um the stuff that really didn't convert well from Sanskrit to Chinese to Japanese to English and whatnot, right? So um, really, really bad or misleading translations along the way. So 
three primary types of meditative practice got countless numbers, countless different ways to meditate, but they all kind of point at or, or come out of these three primary types of meditative practice. But the, each meditative practice matches a primary function of mind, right? And then what we're, but what we're looking at during camp is not just the types of meditation, but where they belong distance-wise from the attacker or from the danger of fight, right? But we're also going to be taking a look at uh, some different mindsets, things that I think are missing uh, and that I was introduced to and had to really kind of hone and focus on, uh, you know, while you're in the mix, right, while you're moving in on somebody, um, big mistakes that people make uh, because what they're doing when they're practicing is they're not practicing the mindset as well because it's their friend. You know, it's their training partner, right? They're, they're not in that headspace where – I am practicing what to do, what to think, uh, how to project intention and all those kind of things against an actual enraged, committed attacker who's trying to beat, break, or kill me. My training partner is just a surrogate at the moment. That doesn't mean I need to, like, break him, but I, I'm practicing more than just physical moves, right? So we're going to be looking at, at those kind of things, right, and where our head needs to be and the kind of things you need to be paying attention to internally between the two of us uh, environmentally just there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff we're going to be covering we're going to be jamming it into like two and a half days right so that'll be cool so um again i'm a little bit behind on getting the pages set up because we just had a glitch in the system there's this uh, place where we have 512 articles and um we thought we had some extra time to get things moved and it looks like they're in the process of like pulling the plug uh, on their service, and I need to get my stuff off of there um, so I don't lose them, right? So anyway, so now what we didn't have planned for this week was to scramble <laughs> to salvage 512 uh, articles. He and I, uh, James and I, just had this meeting on what was it, Saturday morning. To yep. we're going to pull three or five of these things per week, and then you know get them set up and get them reintroduced to people. And, updated and all that kind of stuff and now we've got to scramble to save 512 articles in a week right so uh adaptability adaptability is the key to longevity and god knows the universe has made us be adaptable right and we're good at it. we're good at it right so anyway all right so that's going on uh we'll be getting some stuff out there for the uh, fall camp september 30th october 1st and 2nd and then the uh dichomiosai our dichomiosai uh, uh, is the New Year kickoff kind of thing uh, that'll be going on January 6th, 7th, and 8th, if I have that right. Uh, we'll get all that stuff up. I don't have themes yet for Fall Camp or Dicomio side, but I will by the time the pages are set up. So that'd be cool, right? All right. So um, are we good? Right. We'll just keep on moving, right? Uh, so uh, again, during this uh, Kuden, uh, I want to talk about mindset, right? Mindset. Uh, but from the perspective of something I learned by watching Hatsumi Sensei, other people kind of going, uh, for those of you on uh, on uh, Apple Podcast or whatever, uh, you're not on the video, you can't see me like doing this little hint, hint, nudge, nudge kind of thing, elbowing somebody with like a little uh, uh, suggestion, pay attention to this kind of thing. Um, uh, along the way, watching Hatsumi Sensei do things, uh, because it's not just the lessons that come out of a teacher's mouth, right? You need to watch how they act, and you need to watch how 
uh, they do things or even listen to how they're structuring things or how they're presenting information, uh, the things they hit at or allude to, right? Because everything's a lesson, right? And if you actually get your head wrapped around that, you'll very, very quickly, right, um, recognize when somebody's just blowing smoke up your ass as a, as a supposed teacher, right, um, because they're not walking the talk themselves, right? And that, that should save you a whole lot of time and effort because you can then go find somebody else that's actually going to uh, be doing things other than walking around with their chest puffed out, right, um, because they need to be in charge of some little corner of the world, right? And you get to be, you get to be treated like a minion or whatever it is, right? So anyway, let me tell you a little story here, right? Um, this was 2000 Taikai, okay? Now, I had met and trained with Hatsumi Sensei at a couple of, uh, training things, uh, Japan, all that kind of stuff before this, but there was a period where was probably out of circulation for, was it 2000? No, it had to be before that because I was out of training for about a year and a half to two years. I was training personally, but um, military duty and all that kind of stuff had pulled me away from things and I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't make it to seminars or, or do the kind of things I needed because I was tied up with, oh, I don't know, you know, making sure that other people were safe and secure in the world and all that kind of stuff. So, um, there, there was this little hiatus, right? And, um, the, there was a longer period. I mean, that was the, the time away from the teacher that I was working with at that time, but there was this longer period, um, that I hadn't seen Soke and it was kind of hit or miss before that. I mean, I wasn't like a personal student at that point. Right. And so, uh, I was at, I was at this training and, um, I got to talking to my teacher then was Stephen Hayes, right? My, the one responsible for my, you know, my, my training and progress and all that. Right. And, um, his wife, Rumiko, who actually was my first training partner, right? Very first seminar, very first training partner, wiped the floor with my ass head, whatever could hit the floor, hit the floor, right? It was the coolest weekend. Like at all. And I remember her, um, I know this is a story within a story, right? I remember her, like we, we were training and all of a sudden she goes, I've been trying to think about who you remind me of, right? You remind me of Manaka Shihan, right? I don't know if you guys know who uh, Manaka is. He uh, founded, he was originally Hatsumi Sensei's right hand man in the Bujinkan and then ended up like forming the Jinikan and all that, right? And she goes, ah, and she drags me across the training floor, right? She stops right mid technique, has this flash of insight, drags me across, uh, to, to Shoshi Hayes. And she goes, doesn't he look like, and you know, Shoshi Hayes goes, maybe a little bit. I'm like, uh, I don't think I look like a Japanese guy, but we had the same stature, same square head, whatever. Right. I mean, obviously I don't look like him, but I've always been called out on like, you know, where do I come from? Right. Cause I have these Amerasian features, right. White guy with almond eyes and all that kind of stuff. Right. So anyway, um, but we're, we're at this Taikai, um, and, uh, I get to talking about, you know, she goes, you know, you've been introduced to uh, Hazmi Sensei. And I said, well, you know, I trained with him off and on and we've spoken, but it's been a while. And I, you know, I don't know if he knows me from Adam, right? And, and James and a bunch of my guys know that I've actually operated based on just 
believing I was so far down on the freaking Bujinkan hierarchy totem pole that I'm just going to do what I do, right? Because I'm not worried about rocking anybody's boat. Hudson since they probably doesn't even know me from, from Adam or whatever. But I'm going to be true to myself. I'm going to be true to the lessons that I got and, and passing them on, you know, uh, based on the way they were done when Hatsumi Sitsei first introduced this stuff and, and the focus and, and all that kind of stuff before all of the, it's a good politically correct word that means the same, but is not as insulting as watering it down. Oh shit. I just said it, didn't I? Um, like the, the reformations and the evolving and, you know, that kind of stuff. Anyway. Um, so she said, well, you know, I'll, I'll reintroduce you to him and, and whatever. And so I, I really didn't have a no to say, right? She drags me across the dojo and, um, we, everybody was, and that wasn't dojo. It was this big freaking conference room that we were in. So it's this build up stage and he's up there and all that. Right. And this is the guy that when people come up to him and they're like, Oh, sensei, is this true? And well, is it okay to do it this way or whatever? Right. And he's like, you know, patting him on the shoulder and Ooh, you understand, you know, that kind of thing. And you're the prodigy, you know, or the, he didn't use those words, but made him feel that way. So I get, I get, you know, led over to him and she, you know, in, in Japanese and whatnot, right? And he's, he's up on this stage, right? And I'm just, you know, I'm military, so I'm just kind of standing there waiting, waiting for my thing. And he looks down and, um, he just kind of looks at me and he goes, hmm. Okay, now we know. You good? Feel better now? Just kind of looked up like, I guess so. Thank you. And walked away, right? It was very, very different from this, this, oh, you know, hey, you know, whatever, right? This thing that he, that, that a lot of people get. And, uh, people are introducing me to other differences. Like if you pay attention to what he does, how he does it, what he says to who, right? You'll see that there's at least two diff very different kind of treatment methods, right? Um, and what I came to find, and a bunch of us came to find, was that he treated two very different types of students two very different types of ways. And again, here comes that punch to the throat kind of thing for a lot of people, because everybody, everybody believes that, or wants to believe, right, that everything's very out in the open. Right, Nijitsu's out in the open now, so you know. And if they if they don't think that way, they at least believe that my teacher should never lie to me, right? Why? I mean, why would I go to somebody who's going to lie to me, deceive me, manipulate me, whatever? Um, that's not that's not what I'm there for. I'm you know I need to that's crap, right? Um, except this is Nijitsu, right? So if you can't see through that then you're going to be manipulated by anybody doing anything as long as they're speaking your listen, as long as they say the things that you want to hear, as long as they avoid saying the things that ruffle your feathers or whatever, right? Um, you know, if you've got buttons to push, then you're easily manipulated, right? So everybody wants to learn how ninja do it, but how we also have to be able to defend ourselves against the same kind of tactics, Right. So, um, interesting. Right. But anyway, uh, there was this, again, that was kind of the start of, of paying attention to these things. And so what I found was 
those people who, and they have lots of ways to show it and lots of ways to, to, to present themselves, but those people who needed to be the prodigy, those people who needed to be kind of in the inner circle, right? Um, those people who needed teachers' eyes on them, right? Look at me, look at me, right? Those people who needed to be of high rank, that's what they got. They got attention, they got smiles, they got like extra rank, right? Oh, by the way, the black belt ranks were the equivalent of $300 US per rank. So here you go, right? Uh, you help out some sensei buy another car, uh, but he doesn't have a driver's license, so, um, but he had to spend the money on something. So, you know, whatever, right? Um, pats on the back, those kind of things, right? Really fast rank, right? Um, and those of us who were just training, and that was the purpose, right? Rank came slow, came very, very slowly, right? Um, and then I started to pay attention to who was getting rank, right? So I go to Japan, right? Um, and it kind of, word kind of got around, you know? Every time you go to go to Japan, take some extra money because, you know, you're probably going to get promoted, right? But that didn't happen to everybody. I mean, it happens, but I found that there were a lot of people that while, you know, he would demonstrate something or other teachers would demonstrate something, and then we'd off, go off and train, right? But we, what I'd see is there'd be people that um, every, they, they do something, they do a cool move or whatever, and then they would look. The hell are they looking at? Are, you know, are they they worried about somebody's going to bump into them, or are they trying to you know manage the space so they're not bumping into somebody else? And what I find was that, no, they're looking to see if Sensei's watching, right? So, and they 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 keep doing they keep doing the thing that the insecure guy in the nightclub does when he sees an attractive girl he'd like to ask out, but he keeps like looking and looking away and looking and looking away, and eventually just makes her feel creepy. Right. <laughs> but, but what he was, what they're doing, they're doing that to Soke. And then, uh, next thing you know, he walks over and he goes, mm, what is your rank? Oh, it's this. Oh, well, now you're this. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Except that after class, they're called up by the, by the rank assistant or whoever's helping with admin stuff and fill out this form. And, uh, next class, bring back 30,000 N. Right. So, uh, 30,000 N, yen N, uh, is, Roughly equivalent to a U.S. penny, right? A one cent kind of thing. So, uh, bring back three thousand or three hundred dollars to pay for your uh, your new rank that you just were given, right? So, um, but people were just collecting that stuff. I mean, word got around that you know um, if you come come to Japan um, regularly, right? If you go at least once a year, or whatever, you're going to get promoted, right? If you're living there, you're going to get rank about every six months, but you're getting rank because you're coming to class consistently. And if you're coming to class consistently, then you should be training, uh, training properly and, um, and progressing properly, right? So it's a weird kind of stuff going on, right? Um, but those who were focused on training and progress and that was obvious, then, you know, the, the, the general rule of thumb was they're going to train no matter what, right? They're going to train regardless of whether rank's coming or not coming or whatever, because they're involved in the training for training's sake, right? Not with what color belts around the waist. And then the other thing, too, is um, the stonewashed belts. James, you know what I mean by stonewashed belts? Did that happen in Taekwondo when you were in that, um, where people would take freaking belts and beat them with rocks or put them in a freaking tumbler or put them in a dryer um, and just, just, no, 
right? Yeah. Where you got some young guy or whatever that's and maybe he's got a knee on or whatever, but his belt looks like he's been training for like fifty years, and just it's he's been beaten by the by the ugly sticks in the ugly forest or whatever, and his 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 all the black is gone or most of the black is gone off the belt, right? And it's just these little microts of black or it's shredded, right? Um, it's been my experience that belts don't wear that way. Belts wear away where the knot is consistently tied, but not down the tabs. Not, you know, they're, they're frayed along the edges along the belt or whatever. But the rule of thumb in Japan, and this is the way it was done way back, back way back, right? You went to, went to class, and then, again, this was before one of the reformations, right? If you went to class with a belt that looked like that, Either a brand new one was thrown at you and you were told to throw that rag away and put, put a damn belt on that makes you look like a professional, or you were told to throw that damn thing away and get a new belt because that looks like crap, right? So, but everybody, that, that seems to be the, the image of like what a guru master looks like, right? So everybody was like, putting <laughs> these freaking belts on. Um, anyway, sorry, I laugh. I probably shouldn't laugh at people because they do what they do. Um, but there are these signs of certain mindsets, right? That this is, this is what they're looking for. So, you know, and he's always been a very wind-like character, right? If you understand the Godai and the, and the Mandala, right? The wind realm and those kind of personality types, um, just, they always say yes to people. They always give people what they want, um, because it'll make them happy, right? Or because it cuts down on conflict and those kind of things, right? So always be careful when somebody's too agreeable, right? Because you could have somebody that that um, a wind-like character uh, could be for, um, you know, save the whales and dolphins this week, right? For Greenpeace, right? Because that kind of, um, there's certain types of fishing that uh, you know, it's, it's killing them, right? It's, you know, catching dolphins when they, when they go for tuna or whatever, right? And then they don't differentiate and then the dolphins die. And what, so, you know, they're all for that this week. And then next week they talk to the tuna fishermen and the tuna fishermen are, you know, talking about how the, it's not their fault because the dolphins get in there. Like it's their responsibility to feed a whole bunch of people. And, you know, so they, they gotta be doing this and the wind character will go, Oh, absolutely. Right. Um, you got an organization that I can sign up for and help, you know, the tuna, the tuna fishermen kind of thing, right? So they'll, they'll, you know, they're, they're, they're they don't like conflict, um, that kind of stuff, right? So ironically, that's the same realm that warriors are in, but it's a different perspective. It's a different aspect of that thing where it's now about, it's still about selflessness because wind like people have very little going on on the inside. They themselves don't stand for anything but they jump on board with a bunch of causes so they can look like they stand for things, right? So they can be a part of a group. And so there's, there's an identity that comes from the outside, right? Um, warriors, on the other hand, um, have a selfless nature and they stand for a cause, but they don't jump around, right? They're, that, that, I, that cause that they're fighting for is something that comes from the inside that they find to be very, very important and worth protecting. So much so that that thing is worth more than their own life, right? Does that make sense, right? That's that's a, uh, I'm looking at James for validation because James is also a student. So when I say validation, I don't mean I need to be validated. I mean, is this coming across clearly? Does this make sense, right? Yes. 
So, yeah, so, um, uh, but anyway, so you, you got this, these two completely different groups, right? One really wants the validation. They want rank. There's something that they need the martial arts to give them that they feel like they're lacking, right? And so that kind of thing was, was given out, right? I mean, there's a cost to it, right? Um, all the extra money to go to Japan once or twice a year so you can get ranked and whatever. And I'm not knocking it because I'd have to be knocking Hatsumi Sensei's way of doing things, right? But what this really taught me was that my own teacher was treating students differently based on what it is that, you know, they were looking for, right? And then gauging and, and, and helping them through with things because some of those students they'll get to a certain point and just, just like the egocentric uh, Buddhist priest who, if they, they, you know, they became a priest so they could, they could be in charge of things and, and tell everybody what to do can actually become enlightened in spite of themselves because they stuck it out in the, in the, in the training for so long and they had to stay ahead of their disciples. Right. So they end up like tripping over themselves and becoming enlightened. Right. Um, the egocentric student, teacher, practitioner can end up having the same thing happen to them, right? Um, they can end up making that flip and, or they've had, they end up bumping into just the right types of experiences, right? Uh, hairy or whatever, or they're just too damn dumb or tenacious to quit. Maybe that was my thing, right? I was just too damn tenacious. I wasn't going to quit no matter how rough things got, but they could, they could make the flip. But at the same time, you have this reality that you need you need the masses paying for, this is going to, I didn't mean for this to rhyme at first. You need the masses to pay for classes so that those who are actually serious have a nice place to train, right? Otherwise the teacher has to go get a real job and then doesn't have all that extra time to write books, produce lessons, uh, make sure that things are going the way they're supposed to be going, make sure that everybody has, uh, you know, what they need, right, to train. I mean, that goes back to the old Uchi Deshi, live-in student kind of thing, right? The students went to work, earned the money, bought the groceries, cleaned the house, cleaned the grounds, all that kind of stuff to free up time so the teacher could focus on what they need to be doing, right? But what, what modern students will do is they'll go, well, see, the Uchideshi stuff, right? Um, those people didn't have to pay for training and stuff. I mean, the teacher didn't, didn't you know, uh, didn't charge these people. Well, see, that's not exactly true. Right. Because the teacher didn't have to make any money because all the students were working and doing all the stuff. Right. So teacher basically got a free ride. But if you actually look at the, the dojo, um, the, 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 the formalization of dojo that actually happened is wars waned. Right. And, you know, you, you started to enter the Meiji restoration and this peacetime kind of stuff that even actually backing it up into the Tokugawa kind of thing where, um, you know, you just didn't have the same kind of ongoing civil war stuff, right? Well, here you had these professional warriors that they had no sellable skills, right? I mean, they had been trained and worked as a freaking warrior their entire life. So what kind of job can they do, right? So a lot of these guys actually started teaching, and that's where they had this dojo thing started, Right. But what most modern students don't get because they don't do their freaking research is these warriors charged a boatload of money 
for their lessons. And the only people that, well, I don't want to say only because there's always the rare cases, right? But the only people that could afford the lessons were wealthy people, right? I mean, you don't charge nickel and diming for things, and then you have to support a family, feed yourself, you know, pay rent or whatever your bills are on what a lot of these people expect that the teacher should be should be charging, right, or not charging at all, right? So, um, again, you know, people need to do their homework. Uh, and you can find a lot of this stuff. Uh, what's um, uh, Dr. Zagori, right, uh, Kasem, a lot of people know him. He's a student of Isuku Sensei. He's a, uh, you know, university doctor, uh, uh, PhD, right? Teaches on uh, ancient Japanese culture and history and martial studies and stuff like that and has actually done all this work to to look this stuff up. So you get get his book or two that he has out or whatever um, or listen to you know, a lot of his dissertations and stuff are on YouTube, right? Um, where he really breaks this stuff down so that people can understand it. Because one of the biggest problems in the West is that the Eastern mindset and, and the, the culture and the thought processes and all that, that are very, very different, not just from modern Western thought, but uh, even from modern uh, Asian thought, right? Um, need to be translated properly or what people end up doing is making shit up, right? So, but anyway, I know James knows this and, and any, anybody that's on, um, speaking of which, who is on? Um, I'm, I'm looking at numbers uh, going up and, and changing and all that. Um, who do we have on, James? Uh, <clears throat> it's like Stan's on. on. I, I, no. I know I didn't just wake you up, right? Because you just no. sounded like I woke you up. But I'm looking at your screen and you're looking right at me, so... Unless you sleep no, with good. your eyes open. <laughs> no. uh, all right. So try to. Stan's try on. Joe's on. Jen's on. Jen. Jen's like one of my Tori. one of my groupies. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, homie? Sister from another mister. <laughs> uh, shit. I'm gonna sound like like other people running freaking podcasts. Anyway, um, cool. All right. Um, did Jimmy make it uh, for this one? I haven't seen him. All right. No worries. No worries. Okay. So, um, but this will help a lot of my local guys understand things. And for those who are not local, uh, I think my inner circle guys um, know know the structure pretty well because some of them have come in for seminars or private training uh, like uh, Mike Nichols or Michael Weingarts. And a bunch of these guys have come in uh, that whatever, where are they? They're either lo still local in Pennsylvania to me or they're in Canada or Michigan or Macau or shit. These people are all over the place, right? UK, whatever. Right. So they, they understand the structure because the curriculum that they're working through is the same thing. What they don't have is this, this me kind of working things from a, from uh, groups uh, people kind of select themselves into certain groups. Right. So uh, the, the, the programs at the dojo, right, uh, we've got a basic program. We've got uh, what we call a mastery leadership program. And then we've got our Shinobi Kai uh, advanced master's program. And it's not just like a, hey, can I buy my way into this program or that program or whatever. The programs are really designed around different mindsets, right? And, again, this is an extension of what I saw 
like what, what Hot Smith said. Now, I'm not going to promote people, um, you know, well beyond things because that's dangerous, right? If people believe that their self-defense skills are more than what they are, they're going to have a false sense of confidence. So I'm not willing to go in that direction, right? Um, but uh, there's a whole bunch of different kind of mindset things that we have going on that they're not me telling people that they need to be in a certain place or, hey, let me uh, upgrade your car, right? So let's get you into this program or whatever. We, we often look at people and, and what they're looking for. And then I go, look, I've got A, I got B, I got C. Um, and I'm not talking about like, we've got Taekwondo for those people who want that. We've got Judo for people who want that. We've got MMA. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. We're talking about Nijutsu and Nippo Taijutsu, Budo Taijutsu, that kind of thing, right? James, James knows this kind of thing. So, um, a basic program is really for people that are just, that they, they always wanted to do martial arts and they're thinking about things in very general terms or self-defense, but they're not sure like how, how committed they want to, they want to be, right? I just want to learn some basics and, or I just want to check it out. Can I do that? Absolutely. Right. So we got this program, uh, you know, you train a couple times a week, uh, for this amount of time, each class. And we're going to, we're going to focus on basic basics, right? So, um, it's that kind of thing, right? And then we've got this other program that we call our mastery leadership program because it, it combines the physical skills and, um, this, I mean, the common Western word is like a leadership kind of thing where they're getting their head focused on producing, uh, better results and being, um, you know, kind of getting out of the, the, mindset that 95% of the freaking population is in where they're following the follower and they're just doing enough to not get fired. They're, you know, whatever, right. They're doing what everybody else is doing. Um, they're just doing it a little bit better to produce comfortable results and that's fine. Right. But for people that want more than that, um, but when it comes to self-defense, they want, they want to be, be able to handle the most common things that are going to happen. Right. And they, they want to know that they, they're going to be safe. So not watered down, just we're, so we're focusing on Budo Taijutsu when it comes to that kind of thing, right? Um, general warrior skills, being able to handle what statistics show us are the most common, uh, attacks that are going to happen, right? So, uh, and that, that, that stuff is based on the reality that, uh, 95 to 98% of assaults that happen every day are easily handled by, by, by what we call basics, right? Fundamentals, fundamentals of the fundamentals, the basic principles and concepts, that kind of stuff. Now, our basics are maybe not what most people would call basics, but it's it's a good chunk of knowledge, right? So that's the focus, right? We're going to be able to handle this stuff, common attackers, that kind of thing. I, I'm not looking at assassins. I'm not looking at, you know, some killer mercenary on the on the, you know, rampage or whatever, right? Cool. We can do that, right? And at the same time, got making some shifts in mindset so we can get past some crippling misinformation that is just, in the business world, they're called best practices, right? Um, in the rest of the world, they're called common sense. Really? It's been my experience that common sense is not all that common. And best practices are bullshit. Best practices are, I don't want to have to do the extra work. What's everybody else doing? Oh, okay. Let's put the same thing in place. Does it work? Well, they're doing it. Doesn't answer my question. Does it work? Right? Like in the workplace violence realm, uh, where I, I, you know, do a lot of my stuff, right? There's a butt ton of best practices, 
right? Zero tolerance policies, banned weapons on site list, uh, punitive action, right? Here's what we're going to do to punish you if you act out or whatever, right? But there's nothing in place in, in 97% of companies, nothing in place to train people to, to survive when bad shit's happening, right? And you look at these best practices and they all look the same. And you look at people and you go, does that work? Well, it's the best practice, what everybody else is doing, right? So, but does it work? Does that work to deter or protect people against your worst nightmare, right? Against people that do not care about your zero tolerance policies, that actually either don't care about or are thankful that you have banned weapons on site list, which means that nobody's armed. And so therefore they can't deter anything that I'm going to do. So I'm going to walk in there, paint the place red, and I'm not going to run into resistance because you've effectively disarmed everybody. Thank you very much. Right. Do they work against people who are either absolutely enraged in the moment and not thinking clearly so they couldn't give a shit less what you're going to do to them if they act out or they're actually somebody who's targeting you and they're going to pop themselves afterwards. And so they're not going to be around for you to punish. Do they work against those types of people? Well, they must because they're best practices. Who came up with them? Now, I'm using, I'm borrowing this from the workplace violence realm, but this is the same kind of question that people should be asking when, some, when a teacher teaches them lessons. Have you tried this? Have you actually used this against other people, right? Me and a lot of my peers, when I say peers, I mean equals, right? We're ex-law enforcement, bodyguards, that kind of thing. Yes, we have whipped a fair share of Musha Dodi on people who are actually trying to beat our brains in. Or we've disarmed people that uh, were either pulling a weapon on us or trying to go after our weapon or whatever. We've done uh, a, a bunch of these techniques, right? Uh, with, I didn't have a Hanbo, right? I had to do Hanbo techniques with a short nightstick, right? and still make it work and, and those kind of things without it turning into something else, right? Anybody can learn a martial art and win fights, but win fights with things that are not anywhere closely related to the stuff that they're teaching on a floor. Okay, so they've learned this stuff and they've been in fights, so they know what it's like being inside the bubble, but have they used this stuff there? But nobody asks those questions. What the hell? Okay. So, but anyway, right? So, um, so what we've done is we've divided things out and then I've got this Shinobi Kai program and summing up the Shinobi Kai program is this is a program for people that want to learn this art the way I learned it. That doesn't just mean hearing the same lessons. It also means feeling the techniques the same way. And that's different. Okay. So I'm not downplaying anybody who's in a different program. Right. But there's certain people that that just understand that. Look, OK, this program right here, which most of our students are in this this mastery leadership program. Um, people tend to come into the basic program and they're they're one of two types of people. They're testing the waters. They have that martial arts experience. Right. Kind of like going to the the amusement park for the week. Right. Or for the weekend. And they had a great time. And now they can tell other people I've trained in the martial arts. Cool. Right. Um or 
they uh, are just kind of trying it out, and they very quickly realize, okay, I want more, uh, whatever, right? So they move into this other program. So the folks that are in the Mastery Leadership Program, right, you're, you're in a good place, right, because that's a good, solid program for what most people actually need, right? If you're not in security or you're not in law enforcement, you're not worrying about, uh, you know, people doing dumbass things every time the next conspiracy theory or Y2K or, you know, Corona Rona, whatever thing happens and people panic and go ape shit, right? You're not worried about that kind of stuff. You're just worried about like, I, I just want to have a skill set. So should something occur, I can protect me, I can protect my family or other people of my choosing, that kind of thing, right? Um, it's going to handle 95 to 98% of incidents. That's a good that's a, that's a good percentage, right? Um, Shobi Kai is for people that want to learn the traditional stuff. They want to be able to apply that modern, but they also have this concern, uh, like a lot of my guys, like, um, Stan and Joe and whatnot, uh, that, that, and I'm not knocking anybody else, right? They, these people, um, uh, Carl and, and whatnot, right? Military or law enforcement or heavy duty security background, whether current or past, um, their job may currently or whatever, right? So they've got this mindset because they need the stuff and they've, they've gotten more than a glimpse of the shit that's in the world and the kind of people and violence and things like that. And you know, what's cool is it hasn't tainted them, right? These people have a great sense of humor, right? They're, they're very, you know, generally speaking, very calm and cool and whatnot, that kind of thing. They're not the guys walking around like, Martial arts is my life. I want to be able to kick anybody's ass. That not that kind of thing, right? They laugh a lot. Want to enjoy life. They want to have a you know. Um, one of my teachers is called the big dog syndrome, right? As opposed to little dogs. Little dogs are the ones that are yapping all the time and barking and trying to threaten and growl at you and all that. But if you step in their direction, they run behind the couch. And then they bark at you from there, kind of thing. I'm talking about the big dogs, ones that want to play, lay around, have a good life, and all that kind of stuff, right? Kids climb all over them and everything, right? Um, and you can do pretty much anything to them, but if you cross a certain line, they'll give you that little look or they'll growl a little bit, reminding you that they and you know that they can chew your throat out, right? Um, but you know, let's just, let's just enjoy our lives, dude. Let's have a good time, right? But don't forget that, don't confuse my kindness with weakness kind of thing, right? So, um, but I got these guys that, that have seen that kind of thing and they want, their perspective, our perspective, right, is to cover, be able to handle the 2 to 5%, right, that nobody wants to think about. Because if I can cover them, then everything else is a cakewalk. Now, this doesn't diminish mastery leadership in any way whatsoever, right? They're just two different mindsets, okay? Just like I also understand that when people come in to the dojo, they tend to move through a, a mindset paradigm in a very specific way. And most martial arts instructors don't want to think about this stuff, right? Most people don't even know that they're doing certain things or that their perception changes or whatever. We need to clue in on that because how do I help somebody progress if I don't understand what progress looks like? If I don't know what the next step is supposed to be, what I end up doing is just throwing a whole bunch of shit at them. Here, learn that. Oh, okay, here's some rank. Oh, here, learn this. Oh, here's some rank, right? If you don't understand the process... Internally and externally, how do you help somebody progress? Right? 
So uh, for those of you just on audio only, I just made a weird face, right? I do that a lot, right? Um, but anyway, uh, so uh, something that the instructor trainees are, are going through at the moment, um, and they're going to be getting coming up pretty soon, uh, we've got these different things with um, with mindset and whatnot, right? Uh, like um, this past uh, Wednesday's training, one of the discussion topics that, that – they were given to to work out with with people in their group and then we had this open discussion on was the difference between a problem based mindset and a solution based mindset right and how we're teaching people to be solution based thinkers solution having having solution based perspectives okay? as opposed to being problem based which is the infection the virus the real virus whether corona rona's ever around, right, or we get rid of it or whatever, this is the virus that is timeless, right? And it kills most people, right? They just end up being walking zombies, right? What I mean by that is something occurs, right? Gas prices go up, whatever, right? Problem-based people latch onto that, and that becomes the reason they can't do things. That becomes the reason that their life sucks. That becomes whatever it is, right? I hear it all the time. I see it all the time because people send freaking emails, right? I want to do this cool thing, Sensei, but see, the problem is, and they either use the words they don't, but they allude to it, right? Here's why I can't. A solution-based person is, oh, here's a problem. How can we fix this, right? How can we make this better? How can we improve upon this, right? You cannot be a self-defense-oriented person, a survival-minded person, and simultaneously be a problem-based person. The very nature of self-defense requires a solution-based thinking. You can't do anything about the fact that this person is coming at you with fists or feet or knives or whatever, but you can do something about where your perspective is and whether or not you're going to fold and only focus on how bad the, the problem is, or you're going to look for how do I escape? How do I handle it? How do I neutralize it? How do I mitigate the damages? Those kind of things and act accordingly, right? So as a part of the instructor training program, I make it very, very clear, right? If you're going to be on the instructor or staff team, you must be a certain mindset. And you can only fake that stuff for so long, right? You can tell me, oh, definitely, I'm a, I'm a solution-based person. It's only going to take one or two little stress-based incidents and not even big ones for the real mentality to, to leak out. It'll come out in your words, right? So that's part of the testing as well, right? So, uh, but again, with this mindset, right, there's three, there's three mindsets that people have, right? And so as a part of the staff training, instructors are taught ways to and the fact that it's their responsibility to get people from one mindset to another mindset. And this has nothing to do with talking them into things. It has to do with um, inspirational storytelling. It has to do with the way we demonstrate techniques and the way we describe the art and all that kind of stuff, right? To get people to make that natural transformation or that natural, that, that to create, to, uh, pass through that natural transcending phase to go from one to the next to the next. Okay. And very quickly, right? Cause this is not that, uh, this is not a, a teaching about these things, right? But when it comes to, I don't care if it's martial arts, gym rats, 
dance, gymnastics, whatever it is, right? Um, any type of learning thing or any type of activity, right? There's three mentalities. There's a hobbyist mentality. There's a recreationalist mentality. And there's a lifestyle mentality, okay? A hobbyist, right? Think about hobbies, okay? If you have any, right? Think about hobbies, right? These are things that you really enjoy doing, right? One of mine is uh, model building, like plastic models and stuff like that. Sometimes I'm building the model right out of the box as it is. And other times, uh, one of my things is, is I buy uh, flawed kits that are returned to like uh, companies or whatever, right? I want those, right? Because I'm going to take them and I'm going to take all the pieces, including the runners that all the plastic pieces, the official parts of the model come on. And I, I sort them and put them out. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll just open up the box one day and I'll pull out a piece and I'll just look at it. And then I start adding things to it. Now mine's normally like the sci-fi genre or whatever, right? Where I'll, that turns into a spaceship or it turns into a something, right? It turns into something that is, uh, so I'm not the sketcher guy. I, you know, build these kind of things, right? And so I, I like doing things like that, right? Um, but it's a hobby. And what that means is I enjoy doing it when I have time. But if there's too much stuff going on, I don't carve out time to do it. It's a hobby, right? I like it. I also like to fish when I have time. Some years I get zero fishing in. Some years I buy a license and, and, and upgrade my gear and all that kind of stuff, and I might go fishing once or twice. Other times I get an opportunity to go more often because uh, life is allowing that to happen, right? People do that in martial arts-wise as well. Another, the, the other mindset, recreational mindset, are people that like something so well that they actually carve out time to do it. Okay? Uh, whether it's going to the gym, coming to martial arts classes, uh, photography, fishing, model building, whatever, they like it so much that they actually schedule other life things around that because that they need to do that, right? It's, it's becoming a part of who they are. Um, but it's, 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 it's part of their, their habit pattern, right? It, it gives them that much enjoyment that they carve out time, right? And then there's the lifestyle mindset where come hell or high water, I will do this thing because it's no longer something I do. It's so much a part of who I am that I can't not do it. Okay. I, what just popped in my head right now is Jen and her artwork. Okay. Um, she's always working on something, or at least she tells me she's always working on something. And I trust that she's not lying to me. So it's that kind of thing, right? It's just, you know, artist, somebody who is an artist, right. Will always be doing their thing, right. They could be taking notes at a seminar and there's a break. And next thing you know, they doodle the face or whatever, right. They've, they've, done little sketch things or whatever. It's, it's just what they do when they're being them. Right. Um, uh, you know, people in our realm, right. Uh, we will, we will see something happening in the world and that relates something back to a martial arts lesson. Or, uh, you know, I remember one time, uh, making the connection between, uh, martial arts instructors who do that, do this thing, not because they don't have the knowledge and they don't like teaching students or whatever, but there's a huge part of them that 
needs to be in charge, that needs to be a leader. And very a lot of these people, right, um, relationships aren't going so well. They don't like their jobs so much or whatever. So these four walls or the park or whatever and, and telling people what to do and, 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 you know, kind of having this kind of control, um, it, it feels good, right? So there's that kind of thing going on. And then I made this jump to, holy crap, there's school teachers that do that. There are religious leaders that do that. There are parents that do that. There, that kind of thing, right? And so the martial arts became like this, this way of looking, holy crap. It's like this little microcosm of this other thing that's happening in this big kind of realm, right? But um, if we can't go to class, right? Something happens in, in life and we miss class once or twice that week or whatever. Like we're just missing it, right? Because we feel like a part of us is missing. Now, it's not that the recreationalists don't miss it, right? But they're missing the routine. They're missing the activity. They're missing that thing. The lifestyle people, it's like my arm is missing kind of thing because I can't, you know, I, I and, and it's not, see, it's not even like a can't thing because a lot of them feel like they, they can't do the physical training, but, and we just had a, we just had a Facebook post go out that, that was related to this, right? That's me to say there was this quote, right? Anywhere that you can breathe, you can do needs to kind of thing, right? So there's always something that you can do. Right. Was it a year and a half, almost two years ago? Um, I slipped on ice and came down on some concrete steps and broke my back, ended up in the hospital. Right. Um, as soon as I could self-manage the pain, which was two or three days in. Right. Um, I told the doctor, look, you need to take me off this stuff because I can't think. And I had my wife bring my laptop in and some books that I needed to catch up on. Could barely move. Like literally, you have no idea what your body will not functional functionally do when you have a broken back, right? But that doesn't mean I couldn't train. That doesn't mean I couldn't read. I couldn't research. I couldn't take notes. I couldn't uh, catch up on some training videos. I couldn't uh, write articles. I couldn't, you know, whatever, right? Um, I couldn't do some meditation. I couldn't practice pain relieving mindset and breathing and those kind of things, right? Always something. So somebody that's in a lifestyle mindset, right? That's what they do, right? So guess what? Based on mindset with my students, I'm going to give them lessons that fit that. So they're getting what it is that they want because that's where they are in their head, right? But I'm also giving them lessons or inspiration or even if it's just a one-liner kind of thing uh, in neuro-linguistic programming, it's called a reframe, right? Where I'm giving them another way to think about something that might be uh, holding them back or might be limiting their viewpoint or whatever, right? Because these are things that help to nurture the next level of mindset, right? To help them move forward, right? So, the student self-selects where they are. They don't know they're doing it, but they self-select based on mindset. It's my job to be able to read that and then give them both what they want to help them feel like they're making progress as well as what they need to progress in areas that they don't even know are holding them back. It's not about being used car salesmen and 
telling somebody they need something. It's not uh, forcing somebody to do anything or whatever. It's knowing what people want individually, right? It's why they came to the art. It's why they came to our dojo. Staying, I mean, they, they come for their reasons. They stay for ours. Not because I'm telling them they should have that, but because they recognize more than they actually thought they wanted or that was available or that was involved or whatever, right? So there's all these little things going on, right? So this this thing that Hatsumi Sensei and other teachers, right? I watched them doing, right? I watched them, as a matter of fact, I called Shirai Sensei on this one time. Um, I, I, I was interacting with him for a good couple of days for training. And um, I, I, I said something, I brought up this idea that I had and he said, oh, Jeff-san, you, you understand very well. And I said, uh, Sensei, I don't mean to offend, but I hear you saying that to people all the time, especially to people who don't understand, who don't get it, who are just looking for validation and agreement for you to tell them that whatever they're doing is right. And he smiled. He said, oh, see, you do understand. I said, please stop that because you're doing it again. And I can't trust that you're doing it authentically or not. And I'm always suspect. And he just smiled and nodded. So I don't know if he was blowing smoke up my ass or if he was acknowledging. I don't care. But I noticed that the more somebody needed validation, the more validation they got. But the validation that they were looking for was so that they didn't have to train as much. Right? I already got it. I've already mastered it. Oh, see, you need to take this back because you understand so well. And got to be careful when the Japanese do that because Japanese mindset, right, is the, it's the student's responsibility to know where they are. It's a teacher's job to teach. It's a student's job to know where they are and what they need. Okay? So if a student in their gut knows, I've been practicing, whatever, right? Teacher knows that too. In Japan, a teacher to motivate a slacking student will actually promote them beyond where they, where they are or where even where they want to be, want to be going. They'll promote them higher. Cause now the student knows, shit, I can't live up to that. So what the student, what a typical Japanese student will do is go off to a corner, a dark corner and train their ass off to be worthy of that new rank, right? It'll motivate them to get up there. That doesn't happen for the most part in the West. If I were to throw a black belt at somebody and go, here you go, you're doing well. They would put that on, gloat, and probably go hang up a shingle and start their own dojo. So, but if you read a lot of the books that either Hatsumi Sensei put out or there were interviews with Hatsumi Sensei or whatever, He's been called on this, like, Sensei, you can't be doing this to Western students. And, you know, because, you know, when, when you do that, Hatsumi Sensei will explain. Well, see, that's done by Japanese students or Japanese teachers to motivate slackered students, right? We'll just promote them and then promote them and then promote them, right? But at some, some point they go, oh, shit, if somebody calls me on this, I'm going to lose face big time, Right. And what, what the interviewers or what, you know, what, what's being alluded to is that if you do that to a Western student, here's what's going to happen. And Soke has always said, not my fault. That student goes and does that. 
and they attract students. And then, then uh, in a part of the interviewer, one of these interviews I'm thinking of, right, the, the, the interviewer said, yeah, but the problem is that these, pre these people end up getting students and a lot of students and stuff, right? And then, then they, you know, try to play their little mind games and, you know, kind of come off as, as the cocky know-it-all or whatever. And again, Soke will go, not my fault, right? If those teachers attract students who can't see through their bull and choose to stay with them, right? Bad teacher, bad students. Teacher deserves those students. And if the students you know, want something that this person is giving that's all wrong, right? Their head's all twisted too, right? And they won't quit and go find somebody else or whatever, right? Then those students deserve that teacher. It's like the blind leading the blind, right? So he's just not my thing, right? Because part of his job is so okay, teaching Ninjutsu is to teach us how to see through illusion, through manipulation, through deceit, and those kind of things, right? And the only way to do that is to run into it. You don't do what parents today do and protect your kids from all the freaking harm so that they never have to deal with it. And then they end up growing up as adults with no coping skills, no uh, self-management skills, no self-defense skills against manipulators, used car salesmen, that kind of crap because mommy and daddy's always done the work for them. Right? Now they have no, they have no skill sets. They have no abilities to be able to navigate a nasty world. And I'm not saying the world is nasty. The world is what you what you want to see and make of it, but that doesn't mean that the bullies go away. That doesn't the parents that protect their kids against bullies. I'll talk to the parents. I'll I'll confront people. I'll whatever. Really? Okay. Not only one are you not allowing the child to manage it, but also like some parents are like, you know, I told my kid you know, he has to kick the shit out of somebody or or the way I'm doing it, right? The way I'm presenting things, right? The kid's just learning that kind of attitude. So, you know, again, it's a fine line that we walk. But um, but if a, if a martial arts teacher or Hatsumi Sensei as the, as the grandmaster, right, make sure everything is nice and clean and safe and there, there's none of this stuff going on, then we're not learning how to defend ourselves against the kind of attacks that happen every day. I mean, how many of us, seriously, are being punched or kicked or stabbed or shot at every day? How many of us have to put up with, with uh, crappy attitudes from coworkers or uh, you know, manipulators or people that are deceiving or, uh, whatever, right? That we have to protect ourselves from, right? The used car salesman, uh, mentality. I don't mean that the person is selling used cars. I'm talking about that in your face, trying to bully you or convince you into buying whatever bullshit they're selling, right? Uh, or, you know, the underhanded deception, you know, whatever, right? All the time, right? So, um, how do you prepare somebody for that? Well, you give them those experiences. You toss something out and you see, are they going to buy it? Or are they going to check on things? Are they going to validate things? Are they going to, I just got promoted, but I mean, that's cool. I, I wanted to be promoted, but are my skill sets really 
at an eighth degree black belt level when I look at what eight degrees in other martial arts. And I know we're comparing apples to oranges, but <laughs> come on. If an eighth degree in another martial art can break, you know, whatever bricks or they can deal with multiple attackers and, and whatever, do things full speed and all that. Am I, and I'm supposed to be in a martial art that's way better than everybody else. At least that's what my ego has convinced me of, right? Am I able to do that stuff, right? Can my strikes drop a 250-pound MMA guy who's used to getting hit in the head several times a week and is just conditioned for that kind of stuff? Really? Can I really? Or do I just believe that I can? See, right? So we can be taught things and we can accept the verbal lesson as gospel. Or we can be presented with experiences where we have to develop a skill set that allows us to be able to see what's really going on, right? The Enlightenment teachings aren't about, aren't about memorizing dogmatic things like a lot of religions have, right? It's not about memorizing these things and then regurgitating them so I can sound like I know, right? The Enlightenment wisdom teachings are about being able to see what's really going on in a given situation, regardless of what the surface looks like, right? So you learn your kata, you learn your techniques, you learn how to do them smoothly and all that kind of stuff. But at a certain point, you need to look beyond the physical step-by-step -step moves and see the principles and concepts in operation. How am I neutralizing the attack? How am I countering and or unbalancing the person? How am I putting them in a position where they can't get at me without exposing their own targets? And how do I, you know, break somebody in a, in a way that they, they can't get at me again, right? They can't get back up and get at me or whatever. Now, that sounds like I'm talking about a physical technique, right? I'm also talking about dealing with somebody who's a manipulator. I'm also talking about somebody who's trying to stab you in the back. I'm also talking about somebody who's trying to bull rush you and sell you that broken used car or whatever their bullshit ideology is or whatever, right? It's the same. Position myself so it's harder for them to get at me. Neutralize the force of their attack. Disrupt their balance physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, whatever, so that they can't function well in my direction. And when I do finish things and quote unquote win against them, they can't do something later to come at me without exposing themselves or they can't come at me with any kind of strength because I've, I've neutralized all that stuff. This is not just about ducking punches. It's not just about avoiding knives, right? But for a teacher to help people, we have to recognize where they where they are, right, in their own head and what they're looking for and, and that kind of stuff, right? Um, so that we can, again, give them what they need as opposed to giving them or giving them what they want so they stick around long enough to give them what they need, okay? And I've watched lots of people that Hatsumi Sensei has done the pat on the back. And these, <laughs> these people are very obvious, right? I mean, um, uh couple of instructors that people really look up to um, that uh, Japanese master teachers I'm talking about, right? That people really look up to, they would be crushed if they really knew how these 
instructors really thought about a lot of these disciple, you know, ooh, I'm just, I, I'm one of the chosen ones, right? Um, because it's easy to spot these people, right? The gleam in their eye. They've got what we call a celebrity. They're celebrity struck, right? They're, they're all struck. They're gobsmacked. Uh, my friends in the, the UK would say things like that, right? They're, um, um, the, the <laughs> one of the teachers called them a puppy dog. They got this puppy dog syndrome, right? So okay, talking to them or they're getting validation from the senior teacher or whatever, right? And, uh, you know, I've seen Hutsmith that say actually pat these people on the head, like patting a dog or a small child, like, good job. Your drawing is great. I'm going to hang, hang it on the refrigerator, right? Of course, that's what parents do. But would you hang that in the Louvre, right? The National Art Gallery or the, you know, <laughs> would, would, uh, no, I mean, you're nurturing them, right? But at the same time, what you see is this gleam in the eye and they're almost freaking wagging their butts like they're wagging a tail and they're, you know, I mean, in a different context, they'd be freaking panting and, and I know a lot of you guys have seen this, right? You, you see people doing this where they need so much validation. Um, they, they want to be, oh, they want to be seen. Um, I had a guy one time that I actually had to have leave the dojo because he, he embarrassed himself, let alone everybody else and me as his teacher. Um, because in Japan, I mean, he, he, he went to be, he went to be, what was his words? He went to be, um, it wasn't validated. Shit. I just had it. Oh, I got it. He went to Japan to be honored. Right? He spent all that money and was going to spend all that time. And he ended up just pissing himself off. Of course, it was everybody else's fault. Right? But he went for the wrong reasons and he got slapped. Not physically. Right? But he was, he's in over his head because he, he has that kind of personality that he needs his validation. These people look at him like he's like hmm, all that. I'm not saying the guy's not violent. I mean, not violent, but but not skilled and not you know couldn't win a self defense situation. It's all. But this we're not talking about fighting. We're not not talking about beating somebody up and being the dominant one that way. We're talking about navigating life situations and not making a damn ass out of yourself and other people and not being clueless of the shit you're leaving behind in your wake. That kind of thing, right? And a decision had to be made. And so uh, they're, they're a very nice person when they're in their realm. And and they, I'm sure they mean well, but they're very damaging. And so not only me, but every Daishihan in the room recognized it very, very quickly, right? Soke recognized it. And when it was, when it was called out in different ways, right? One was a piece of artwork, all this kind of stuff, right? It didn't make this person any more self-reflective because they're so concerned about their own image that all it did was make them pissed off at everybody, including Hatsumi Sensei, because this person did not get what they wanted. So their anger was just nothing but a freaking Temper tantrum, right? 
and I don't have time for this shit. Right? So in rare instances like that, cut the student loose. I don't need the tuition. I don't need the, I don't need the friendship. I don't certainly don't need disciples. So, but anyway, right? Mindset. Okay. So again, you know, the, it started out just me trying to figure out how to navigate this. Those people are getting promoted way, way fast. And then you can tell, right? Because they'll brag. One guy just could not stop telling me during a 20-minute conversation over and over again how he made six Don in six years. And I was a show Don and had been training for a lot longer than that. I don't care what your rank is. Is your skill set equivalent? And then, again, the more I paid attention, the more I realized that, and even though I had some sense, they described what he was looking for at each of these levels. They don't match up with my curriculum. And I'm not matching those other things up because in the West, somebody who's an eighth Don sees themselves as, uh, except that the skill sets that were required for eighth Don, they don't say, uh, they don't speak that, right? But nobody cares about that. They can't, well, I don't say no one. They don't care about that. They care about this mentality. What they care about is the number next to the black. They care about, you know, how they perceive themselves and how they get other people to perceive them. The powerful ones, including the Japanese Daishian and all that, right? There's this level of humility. There's a level of just this relaxed, yeah, I know what I know and... Whatever. They're not walking around beating their chest. They're not reminding everybody. Oh, I made six dawn in six years. It seems an awful, I mean, that's, that's really fast. Okay. And that's why often these people are, and the, and the, 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 it's turned into a joke for our entire system because holy shit, six dawn in six years. Good luck in, in most other martial arts with that. Like lots of luck. Right. So anyway. Um, I think I hit everything I wanted to talk about, the difference between your Japanese and the Western mindset, and uh, the little story with Hatsumi Sensei. Uh, this really does, we, we, we again, we were talking about uh, programs before, and this will probably turn people off, but it's another shameless plug, right? I've got this program, I've got two programs. One is called Ninja Mind, right, um, which uh, focuses on uh, ground-level uh uh, principles and concepts from a from a psychological standpoint for us to get our internal house in order, so to speak, right? Um, the the key principles and concepts that uh, that are at the core of ninja philosophy, right? Uh, the selfless idea and and perceptions and and those kind of things, right? Um, now and that's more of a westernized version of this other one that some people might be interested in if they're interested in Mikyo and and uh, Buddhist mind science and stuff like that. And that's called um, uh, First Seven Steps on the Path of a Buddha, right? And they're very, I mean, Ninja Mind isn't exactly a, a just a conversion kind of thing. They, they go hand in hand. But I made Ninja Mind for people that are kind of religion sensitive kind of thing, even though Buddhism, by definition, um, is not a religion. It's a philosophy and life, uh, personal development kind of thing. Um, I know it's done in certain circle, uh, certain circles that way, but that, that, that's not the way it was developed, right? Um, 
so Nijamai was developed for those folks that the Sanskrit's not there, the Japanese is not there, that kind of thing. But it's a good, it's a good primer. It's a good place to start. So if you're interested in anything like that, um, James, I think they're both linkable over on Online Ninja Academy, right? So. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So if you go to OnlineNinjaAcademy.com, there's the, there's the URL right there, right? Uh, for those who are on video, right? Uh, otherwise it's OnlineNinjaAcademy.com. Uh, right on the main site, you can, or right main, uh, page, you can just kind of scroll down a little bit. And if you can't find them, I think Ninja Mind is right at the top, isn't it? Is that one of those three, yes. four ones we have at the top? So that one's right there at the top. And then um, first seven steps of the path of Buddha is probably accessible on a tier two page. So you scroll down a little bit to the, uh, there are these uh, big rectangular blocks with like a, a red diagonal pattern on it. Uh, and they, they have these cat training categories. So if it's not one of the ones you're looking at right away, just hit the little right or left chevron uh, to the left or right, and it'll scroll across. Uh, but you're looking for the one that says, like, personal development, I think. Is that right, James? Personal yes. development, life skills, those kind of things. Click on that. You'll end up on a page. You'll see Ninja Mind there again. You'll probably also see uh, Ninja Motivation and Influence, which is uh, a way to get other people to kind of see things your way. Um less forcefully, right? But a lot of my students have also used that to help themselves change um, bad habit patterns and limitations and things, right? But it's it's on that one. It's So you'll find it in there. First seven steps on the path of a Buddha. Um, Buddha just means awakened one, right? Uh, enlightened one, one who's awake, that kind of thing. It's not, it's not what a lot of people in the West have tried to make it. Uh, it's not that kind of thing, right? So, um, but all this kind of points in that direction. It allows people to, I guess, live the theme that Spring Camp is going to be, right? Getting their head on straight. Not learning a dogmatic set of rules and then conforming. It's about learning about um, just bad programming along the way that, that we either decided for ourselves or, or it was passed on blindly leading the blind kind of thing. And, um, and, and, working through uh, different things. There's a program that as soon as I get some from some free time, I've been promising this for the last two years. Uh, there's a program uh, that I'm, I want to do that's based on these 37 fundamentals that come out of Mikyo uh, that was actually uh, presented uh, as an answer uh, uh, from the Buddha uh, honored really close to his deathbed um, where people said, look, there's a lot of people that want to get the benefit of this, but basically summing it up, right? They, they don't want to be a Buddhist, right? Um, but they want, you know, they, they, they want to get the benefit of these teachings. So what are the lessons that they could do that will produce the same results, right? And that resulted in the Buddha outlining the, what are, what are known in Japanese as the Sanju Shichi Dobon, or the 30, 37 fundamentals leading to enlightenment, right? And um, I've just been jonesing to do this program. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly what the format's going to be, if it's going to be a 10-week uh, thing, or we might need 15 or 7 or whatever, but we'll figure it out. And um, uh, that'll be one of these things where, you know, we'll have these weekly classes like we've we've always done, right, one, one block per week. And that gives people a chance to learn the lesson, think on these things, so to speak, and then work through these assignments that are actually designed to produce uh, the results, right? Because mindset is everything, right? So 
Anyway, all right. So uh, that being said, right, don't forget spring camp, right, in May. And what else? Uh, Wednesday, oh, Whiteboard Wednesday, right? Where's Whiteboard Wednesday is coming up in a couple of days. Um, what am I focusing on this time? Oh, my zero-point uh, framework, right? And, again, a lot of these frameworks, right, you're not going to get this from other people because what I've done is – dove into the principles and concepts of the art and instead of doing what everybody else does and throwing around a whole bunch of Japanese names and words and all that because we feel all special because it's the Japanese language and we're doing this thing and we're being traditional and I'm being traditional. I'm communicating in a way that most benefits my students, right? So uh, we just spent two weeks on the sparring paradigm and uh, how to kind of move our techniques through so that they're street ready. And what I want to do with this one is look, Go. we're going to backtrack to three weeks ago where I took a look at kata versus waza. So we're going to look at the forms themselves from a perspective where the technique itself, the string, and I don't care if it's a kihon apo or if it, or it's a kihon or if it's, a, you know, a full-on kata like seon or shiaku or whatever, right? And we're going to look at that from like a zero baseline and we're going to look at all the things, or not, I'm not looking at all the things, but I'm going to give you a way to look at it where you can see that there are all these basic basics that need to be right to be able to do the kata correctly. And then moving forward beyond that, and the things that are necessary, include sparring being one of them, right? Necessary to get it so that that technique is street ready, right? So again, we're doing, we're defending ourselves on the street the way this art's supposed to work and not, you know, we're doing that in the dojo, but we're going to do something else on the street. Not that that thing won't work, but is it the same principles and concepts that are supposed to be working or are we going to be doing something completely different? Okay. And then calling it needed to or whatever. Okay. Ultimately, we should be living to it, right? Everything, everything becomes needed to, right? How we hold conversations with people, how we develop friendships, how we nurture relationships, how we do business, if that's what we're doing, how we uh, interact on the job or choose jobs, right? Because the job that we're doing, from a warrior perspective, the job that we're doing is how we pr provide service to others in the world. That's how a warrior thinks, okay? It's not just a way to make money and, and put in my time. This is how I serve the world, right? And while the company may produce certain products that people buy and, and do well, what I'm contributing to that process is my service, is my contribution to the end product that that helps other people, right? I mean, there's, there's this really cool exercise that I do with folks where I take a, uh, I'm going to borrow fast food, right? Um, just because it's seems easy, right? Uh, for those of you who know Burger King or any kind of thing like that, McDonald's, Burger King, whatever, take their main sandwich, right? And the exercise is to break the whole thing down and recognize that when you touch that burger or you bought it, right, you have contributed to the health and welfare of, if not everyone on the planet, a good freaking percentage. Okay, because as soon as you start breaking down 
the paper and everyone that's involved in the manufacturing, harvesting, whatever, of the, all the materials in the process to produce that paper. And then the ink that made the printing and the truckers that got it where it needed to go and the distribution centers and all that. And, right, then all the employees, own people that own it, management, employees, and their families, and then move to trucking, same thing, move to warehousing, same thing. We haven't even gotten to the burger yet. We haven't even gotten to the farmers who are, who are growing the lettuce and or the tomatoes and or the companies that are making the sauce, and, right? I mean, oh, let's not forget the uh, the marketing companies that produce the advertising that makes your mouth water and make you want to go and buy that thing. And so you plunk down your five ninety five, whatever it is, right, to buy that burger. You've just contributed to feeding how many hundreds or thousands or maybe even millions of people with that one single action. That's understanding your contribution or understanding how big our actions are. Or to not do that. And now those people don't. So perception changes big time. Okay. I think I've spoken enough. James, questions or not questions. Uh, any, did any questions come in? No questions. No, just a bunch of high. Some people are still saying Shidoshi, right? Even though uh, I've been a Shidoshi in a long time. But it's okay. You can call me whatever you want. It's the same thing my grandfather did. Call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for a meal. Which sounds pretty funny coming from a fat guy, right? But anyway, um, pretty nimble for a fat guy, aren't I? <laughs> what was that one song a long time ago? Pretty fly for a white guy. <laughs> pretty nimble for a fat Anyway, all right. So. <laughs> no questions. No? No comment. No whatever. No. Well, actually, Sensei McLaurin asked if you were doing youth camps this year. I am. It's on the schedule. It's on the calendar. There's one in June, right after school ends, and there is one in August, just before school kicks back in again. And for you guys that are local, right, um, some parents like it. Uh, some parents don't like it. A lot of parents love it. Um, our youth day camps are on like 9 to 4, Monday through Friday, that kind of thing, right? Um, some parents have called them a cross between uh, youth day camp and military school because um, we have a set of rules and students have to do push-ups if they break my rules. And um, it's not about a bossing around kind of thing. Um, older students work on leadership qualities because they end up being team leaders. Uh, but we... We do lots of, we do like a martial arts class every day. We do fitness. Uh, there's you know, social time and, and there's a lesson that they're learning every day. Um, and so a lot of that stuff is happening that has to do with the, the discipline and stuff that parents want, uh, goal setting and all those kind of things, right? And then uh, we do lunch and in the afternoon is when the fun activity is, right? The hike or we go to a horse farm and they get a horse riding lesson and horse care and all that. Uh, or whatever it is that we're doing, right? Um, Friday always ends up with like pizza and pool party thing, right? At a local pool. Um, so what ends up happening psychologically is in the morning, the kid, kids get what they need as far as confidence and discipline and those kind of behavioral trait kind of things. And then the afternoon is all the stuff that makes them want to come back the next day. I'm a sneaky ninja bastard, aren't I? Right. <laughs> 
Yeah, so we, yeah, Chris, we definitely are doing that, and I, I need to get the stuff out because I need to start looking for um, uh, chaperones and, and instructors and stuff that can help me during that because if I have to run it like I have in past years, um, I get absolutely nothing done, and this is not the year for me to be surrendering two full weeks to something. Um, I would rather take it right back off the schedule if I don't have the help um, uh, because we need help in getting people to uh, – the different outdoor activities and stuff. Um, we need uh, instructors on the floor. And I don't care, you know, people have to, they can only be here for like one day or a half day or whatever, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to get that schedule uh, built out. So thanks for the reminder. All right. Is that it? Seriously, that was it? Either I covered this really, really freaking well, or I put people to sleep, or people don't know what to, what to ask. <laughs> I never assumed that I taught it that well. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. There's no questions. Are you skinning a cat or something? Because like grating on a bone or something. I killed something <laughs> earlier and I'm stripping the feet off bone. It's my no. mouse wheel scroll. Oh, cool. Very cool. So you have a noisy, a noisy mouse. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> Nothing else? No, Jen said sign Brooks up for youth camp. Why would I sign your kid up? You <laughs> sign your kid up. <laughs> I'll put him on the list. <laughs> I'll put him on the list. All right. So, um, Drew cool. said yay for fitness. Yay for fitness. Yes. 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 Drew's awfully busy this week. Drew's like, keeps sending me like updates, but apologies buried in the updates and stuff because his, his other job is interfering with his martial arts world. <laughs> I understand. I've turned down really, really good job offers throughout my life because I had a single pointed goal to make happen. And that, that, that was what uh, filtered all my decisions. So I wasn't just picking and choosing and then ending up running into conflicts, right? You know, so anyway. But Drew's working on that too, right? Wants to run a school and be a super martial arts guru like his sensei. I don't know what the hell he wants. Anyway, <laughs> I have a good idea, but anyway. All right, cool. Well, let's do this. Um, we've, we've been at this for two hours, so let's just go ahead and wrap this up. And if anybody has any questions or comments, you can post them on the Kuden podcast page. You can post them on the online ninja or the online Nijitsu, uh training uh, Facebook page, right? Both of those are pages. Um, or uh, you can uh, uh, comment under this video if you're on YouTube. Um, I don't know that we've gotten a lot of uh, comments and stuff on the other pot of the other podcast things, but we're going to have to make a concerted effort and, and put a system in place so we can make a pass through and double check on like, uh, at least the major ones like Spotify and, uh, Stitcher radio and Apple podcasts and Google play and stuff like that. So we can, we can get, uh, feedback and stuff like that from folks that are on those sides. Cause I don't want them to feel like they're, they're being ignored. You're, you're not, we just, we're, we're we grew fast <laughs> and we're like, we had shit everywhere. Right. So, um, uh, yeah, so let's, let's, uh, do that. And then, uh, 
So, uh, and you can always send, shoot an email, um, if you send it to warrior C, W-A-R-R-I-O-R, right? The word warrior and the letter C at warrior hyphen concepts hyphen online.com. It's a hyphen. Somebody misspelled it, sending it to me the other day. It's a hyphen, not a hymen. Okay. I like when people try to use big words, but if you don't know it and you can't look it up, and you don't, can't even spell it well enough to get close enough on Google, write dash <laughs> or say whatever, right? But it's a dash or a minus sign or a hyphen. Oh, as my southern friends would say, bless their hearts. Anyway, so, uh, or warrior. Like, I've been trying to send stuff to you and you've been, you've been ignoring me. And then I finally, like, secondhand trying to get this stuff, right? Like through an IM, right? What did you send it to? And warriors spelt like with one R and it's like W A or W O R I E R. Uh, oh my. I want to be this thing. I just don't. I... Anyway, so, you know. Anyway. All right. People mean well. I just, I, I don't, I, I've never thought I'd have to be like a CIA decoder or whatever to, to translate <laughs> things, right? So, you know, you see a lot of these emails. And I have to respond back to them. And you're yeah. as cordial as I am, and that's awesome. But, man, I just, God. Anyway, all right. So, uh, yeah, so hopefully I'll see some of you guys on Wednesday on Whiteboard Wednesday. And hopefully I will see some of you freaking people in class this week. Um, well, you know, Stan's taking a class. He's taking a class off tomorrow. Not the whole day, just, just a class because, you know, life is getting in the way. So, anyway, so... Um, but uh, some of the, I'll see a bunch of extra people tomorrow. Uh, as a matter of fact, James, I think you're making the trip in tomorrow night for class, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, uh, but there's a morning class tomorrow, so that'd be cool. Uh, and I've got some people that have uh, signed up for uh, private classes that are some of my long distance guys that are coming in over the next couple of weeks or months and stuff. So that'd be cool too. All right, uh, I'm going to get some rest, get some food, um, get some more work done tonight. Uh, to prep for Tuesday, which is my hell day, all my own fault, right? Tuesdays are just freaking busy from seven o'clock in the morning until let's, let's see, tomorrow night is a coaching call. So, uh, 10, 9 30, 10 o'clock, I stop teaching and then I get to do more. Well, we've got this, uh, article, uh, uh, rescuing project now to do. So, uh, yeah, um, Tomorrow's going to be even even more full than it normally is, so that'll be cool. All right, that's it, guys. Oh, uh, you know, I've I've got a list of topics and stuff for like the Kuden uh, episodes and all that. Just like I've I've got, oh my god, what nine or ten months already planned out for whiteboard Wednesday kind of things. But if there's something that you guys really want me to teach on or speak on or address, or there's something that I mentioned, you know, in past episodes or on a whiteboard Wednesday or in class or something that you want me to address more deeply, by all means, speak up, send that in. Uh, if James sees it, he'll, he'll get it to me or whatever. And I'm okay with like bumping the schedule. I mean, um, you know, take responsibility for your training. And if it's something that's important for you to learn or that for you to understand to move forward, um, one, let me know so that I can make sure that you get it. Two, stop thinking that your stuff is going to make you seem selfish or it's going to jump over somebody else's stuff. I promise nobody else is doing it. 
No matter how much I say this, is this true, James? No matter how much I say this, everybody is either too worried that they're going to be seen as greedy because they're, you know, getting their stuff answered. I got one guy that is a question guy, right? And I don't mean Chris, right? Uh, Josh always sends stuff. And Josh will always say, you know, um, if you can fit this in, that's really great. Uh, but I don't want to be taking time away from other people. <laughs> Trust me. You're not taking time away from other people because everybody else is sitting back either waiting for me to teach something or afraid to speak up because I don't know if they think their question is going to be a dumb question or, uh, and there are dumb questions. I'm not one of those people that go, there are no dumb questions. After how many years, how many decades of teaching? Yeah, there are. Um, but I promise yours is probably not one of them because I would not be, I would not be speaking to most of you if I thought that that was the category that you were in. Um, but get it out there, right? Uh, one of the things I learned very early in my training from several teachers, be selfish. I know we were taught by mommy and daddy, don't be selfish. But when it comes to your training and becoming the you that you can be to produce the kind of good in the world that the world needs, be selfish. Because if you're not going to do it, what are we going to do? Sit around and wait for the next person, hopefully, to do it? Like all these people that are waiting for me to show up and set up a, town, uh, a dojo in their town. How about you do the tough training that I did and you become the guy in your town or the girl in your town? You might be interested in the affiliate dojo kind of thing we're, we're going to be releasing here in a couple of months where people can actually use the Warrior Concepts um, system. Dojo management, the whole deal, right? Um to set up a school fast track or to get their own in a better place and, and to be, to be helping the, the number of people you've always dreamed of helping. That'd be cool, right? So, you know, and if not, no worries. Think bad things about me because I'm doing it anyway, right? And, uh, you know, I wish you well. That's the way it's going to work, right? So anyway. All people that change the world are loved by some and are thought of as assholes by others. So I'm okay with that, right? I've always told people I'm not an on-the-fence kind of guy. If you're not sure about me, and most of my students, my close students right now, are either thinking the words in their head, they already know what I'm going to say, or they're already lip-syncing it because they already know I'm going to say, give me a minute. What is it, James? I'll push. I'm going to push. Right, we're gonna find out which side of the of the fence you're gonna fall on here. In a, you know, I'm a love me or hate me kind of guy. If you're on the fence, give me a second. I'm gonna push. Okay, I don't need you to be on the fence about me, and I'm okay if you love me or you hate me. Right, but if you hate me and you've got a better way, produce the same amount of results. Produce the same kind of results. Okay, don't just th like throw words around and hatred and all that kind of stuff. Like you know, you're gonna call me all kinds of names. You're producing the same or better results. I'll come learn from you. It's that simple, right? Until then, just life is always a reflection of our ideology and our belief system. The results that we produce every day are a direct reflection of the validity of what's going on. If we want better results, we have to make certain changes. Right? What most people want to do is run around and get everybody else to change. We could just get some laws passed so that people would 
get on the right. No, what you really mean is if everybody else does all the hard work to change so that they do things your way instead of you having to change to get with the program, right? Like natural laws, you know? Anyway. All right, that's it. James, anything else? Any last-minute thing pop in? No, sir. All right, in that case, I'm going to do what um, probably half of you want me to do anyway. I'm going to shut the hell up, and we're going to wrap this up, and I will talk to everybody again next time. Be safe. Talk to you soon. Get more of Kudan Radio. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting site or subscribe at ModernNinjaWarrior.com.